It's the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dryav, my co-host, the Abu Dhabi judge to my Peter Yan title aspirations, Nick Braccia. Nick, it's good to be back here with you to discuss UFC 280 and uh, this fight night coming up. Good card last week. I picked up, I only, uh, at this rate, I should catch you by 2026. I picked, what did I pick <laughs> up, a point? I believe you picked up, uh, you know what? Now that I'm looking at this, it looks like it looks like you picked up uh, four. You picked up four points, and I picked up two. Oh, Nick. that's it. So yeah. I think now we're we're within. Uh, what does that make it? Nineteen and a half difference. Is it that? It's, it's that high. Oh my god. Okay. Um, and now that makes it seventeen and a half difference. Which you're inching. You're inching, man. And the UFC is putting on events for like basically the rest of the yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, like, I listen. Listen, I took two shots at um, my actual picking was good, but I took two shots at underdogs for the big points with Chukagian. Uh, I picked Chukagian, I picked Gamrot, I picked Vulcan Ozdemir. Um, and there were moments where I thought, in the first after the first rounds of those fights, where I thought I was looking good, but was not to be. But I still outpicked you on this pay-per-view, so, you know, I, I can live with that. Every day is a new day, looking forward. Wait, not if, you're saying, if you're saying that you got three fights wrong, then maybe I'm mistaken. Um, I got Chukagian wrong, Gamrot wrong, and Ozdemir wrong. You had Makayev correct. You I had picked, I had Hosa uh, correct. Makayev correct. Ka- did you have Bilal Muhammad or no? I had yeah, I had Bilal Muhammad and Kayo Barella. Right. So those are three. So you had three accurate picks. One, four, two, three. It was four. So did you have more picks than I did? I don't know. There's something not right here. Uh, we can oh, figure no. out that math later. Let's just talk about the card for now. People people can't wait to hear about our scoring, I'm sure. Yeah, it looks like you had seven picks, and I think I only had six. Um, yeah, man, what in the world? Well, you got got you got, you, you got Godzi, uh, Omar Godzi uh, when the Almeida fight fell off, and then, so you lost that, but... Anyway, again, we can dive into this later. Let's talk about that card. What a main card, huh? Really was, man. Absolutely insane. After the Shukagian uh, Fioro matchup, which wasn't at all entertaining, but I guess intriguing if you're really into the tactics and how uh, competitive it was. It was very, we got yeah, just it was, a barn burner. Man. It was very competitive, but what it didn't. I mean, I guess let's start with that one since you mentioned. You know, no nobody's coming out of that fight being like nobody's here for Fioro Shukagian. Nikolai. I'm just saying nobody. Let's well, start also, top. well, I think more importantly, nobody's here for Fioro Shevchenko. Um, so she she needs That's to do true. something else to have anybody excited, or else she's just another contender. Um, and I'd much rather much rather see uh, Talia Santos get another shot. But anyway, let's take it from the let's take it from the top. Then uh, let's talk about the favorite son of the Nurmagomedovs, Medovs, Islam Makachev. What did you think of that performance? I mean, it was it was absolutely fantastic. He's not a guy that makes a lot of mistakes, and he didn't make a lot of mistakes against a guy who defensively makes plenty of them, right? Oliveira, the reason that he's known as coming back from all of these in all these recent wins is because he was hurt to begin with, and that was the case here too, man. Islam cracked him with the left hand Good early hook. in the first round. Good hook, put him down. Uh, well, initially, yeah, initially it was the left hand that hurt that buzzed oh, yeah. Oliveira, and then that right hook. The knockdown. Uh, what happened yeah. was. 
Yeah, man. Uh, what happened was in that in that finish. I mean, look, Oliveira got multiple takedowns. It seemed like every time Oliveira tried to go for takedowns, Oliveira just kind of just decided to not turn right to the floor. Uh, there, there was there was a moment in which Oliveira was, I think, either close to the takedown or just barely got it and got swept. Um, Islam Makhachev just showed just like like he makes almost no mistakes, and he's getting really good to the point where even though he doesn't have natural power in his hands, now his technique. Is allowing him to throw head. I think he's got more he's power. Out of his body yeah, I think he's got more power than Khabib had. He and he came into this fight. Oh no, you don't think I, so? I, I disagree with that. I, I, th- I think he might. Not, I think he might drop more people than Khabib. To be to be fair, and Khabib dropped a bunch of people. Uh, but Khabib just had this athleticism. Khabib made a lot more mistakes than Islam, right? But Islam uh, is perfect. Islam is not as athletic. No, as but Khabib. he's very right? strong. He though. He's very very strong. He is, no doubt, no doubt about it. There's a grappling strength. I mean, this kid's been doing it for. For years, and I mentioned before how at some point in my jiu-jitsu journey, um, I think it was a purple belt or something, and and uh, guys just started telling me, even like brown and black belts, how like I feel like really strong, surprisingly strong. And there's something to like that years and years on the jiu-jitsu mat that leads to that just grappler strength. And this guy's been doing it since he was a little kid. So definitely strong, but he's not as explosive. He's not as durable, right? Khabib has been hit with bigger shots than than uh, what Mahashev was knocked out by. So like. Khabib got away with a lot more mistakes because he's more durable um, and because he's so athletic that he could just like explode with. Yeah, a I don't know if that's up, true. I don't know if that's true. And the reason yeah. why I say that is the shot that that uh, you know put Makachev down and what was kind of a flash knockout, flash knockdown. He, he his his fight IQ was much much lower, and he essentially ran into that shot. He was he his offense was extremely irresponsible against uh, Martin, and uh, if you watch that. He, it definitely it's like he just he just knows better now if anyone if anyone makes the move that he made uh and creates that kind of momentum like running into a shot like there's a good chance you're going to go down so i'm not convinced that he's um that he's less strong uh or even less athletic uh than khabib i also thought he came into this fight looking even more muscled than usual he just looked like an indestructible un unbendable tank um he's gonna be a tough out it's gonna be a tough out for anybody in this weight class yeah it'll, it'll be really tough and i'm intrigued by the volkanovsky fight i would love it if they were the same size and i will say this and and, and like i'm going to touch on this before i uh, we talk a little bit about that uh, ending sequence um he he basically is like in this position now where he's number three pound for pound like you have one top 10 win that's crazy talk now does he belong there is he going to get there yeah probably but for him to be number three right now is ridiculous. Like that's to me, that's crazy talk. The fact that if he beats Volkanovski, he becomes number one pound for pound. This argument that Khabib and him are making, which people buy, and it will be instituted if he beats Volkanovski, um, you don't get to be pound for pound best on the planet by beating a smaller man who's a champion. Well, the, like that I, I alone, agree with that, he's not going to do but it. He's, there is a little bit of a problem right now in the division where you've got the next round of guys, the Fiziev's, the Armands, they're coming up. And but the guys that have been in the top, the Poiriers, the Gages, the Chandlers, they are tough. Right. They are they are big names, but they are shop worn. They make huge mistakes. They, well, they also yep. and they they've all mistakes. just yep. been in wars. It reminds me a lot of when John Jones came up and he cleaned out a generation of light heavyweights that were not, you know, stellar, right. stellar victories. So we're past like, their prime. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, don't yeah. I don't. I look at Gagey. I look at. I look at uh, Poirier. I look at Chandler. And I, 
you know, I would I would bet a lot of money that none of those guys have anything for Islam Makachev at one fifty five. So like, who's who does he have to beat to prove to to get there? What does he have to do? Go up to one seventy as beat Usman, beat Leon Edwards? I think I'd pick him over over Leon no, I mean, Edwards. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think plenty of people might pick him over Leon. Um, although I definitely don't think it's that simple. Leon's a really really good. Oh, wrestler I, too. I, I think Leon's um, a really good fighter. I just I think when you got the Dagestani grappler strength. And the te- and yeah, the, and, the, and, right. the te- and the technique you just find you find next you find next yeah and, and that's the thing again like a big part of my point earlier right was not just that Islam is inferior Islam is more technical he makes almost no mistakes if he fights Poirier he's not getting tagged and wobbled he's not he's not giving up a guillotine it's not even going to be close right like if he fights Poirier he's going to dominate. And he's going to do it mostly with wrestling and grappling because Poirier can't compete with him on the ground. But Khabib wasn't that. If he fights, if Islam fights uh, Connor, he's going to dominate, and it's going to end within a round and a half, presumably, right? Based on what we've seen, um, Khabib like it takes a little bit more work at times. Um, and again, he's not as technical. There's a reason that it wasn't Khabib who was Abdul Manap's favorite uh, 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 favorite student, who was his father, right? It was it was Khabib's father. It was Islam who was his favorite student. Because he's so fucking technical. But I don't think he's as quite as gifted as Khabib. But the fact that he's not as gifted is what made him motivated enough to clean up his technique. Because when you're the more athletic guy in the gym early on, you don't get to become as technical because you don't have to. You dominate well enough early. And then those guys that have been hacking away, building their skill set, they start to overcome you because you are you have those holes and they can take advantage of it despite the athletic disparity. And, uh, but yeah, well, and also, I know it was kind of home turf. But the other thing that we saw was over the last 24 months, Makachev has appeared a little deer in the headlights on the mic. It looks like sometimes the moment gets a little big for him. He has to kind of catch himself. He really has to take that coaching from big brother Khabib. All leading up to this fight, I know it was Abu Dhabi. I know it was home turf. I know people were chanting his name. But still, uh, he rose to the occasion and rose to the moment. And you looked in his eyes, and he, he, he was every bit the champion. So if he's that comfortable in Vegas, like look out because he has, I do think he's matured uh, quite a bit over the last 24 months on this run. That's a really great note. I I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, And I was thinking about how he just seems uh, way more confident. It's like he believes in maybe what Khabib has been saying about him. It's like he suddenly believes in it. And and maybe he didn't. Before. I don't. I actually don't um, think. He, right. I don't think he doubted his technique in the practice room or even his technique in the cage. It's it's an entertainment. It is a spectator sport. There are social aspects. There are people like no if you yeah, right. that hits that hits it. everyone differently. And I I think he's I think he's made peace with it. And I think that just makes him more dangerous. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you there. Like, I think the work on the mic is important, and he's always been very monotone. It wasn't much better, but he, he was at least a little bit more open with what he spoke about and how deeply he spoke about it. And obviously, having that many more questions come at you from the media is maybe going to help, even though I know a lot of those questions are repetitive. Uh, but, look, dude, fantastic, fantastic fight. Um, and what happened was Oliveira went, he started the fight with a pump-flying knee. Uh, that didn't work out, and that was fine because you know he didn't take any punishment for it. And then he finished the fight with a pump flying knee. He went, uh, he went with a pump oh, flying knee, right? Yeah. Where you show, your, where you show, let's say your left knee, but you actually throw your right knee, uh, kind of a flying knee. And Islam basically countered with a left cross right hook. 
And that right hook, I mean, both those uh, punches had such good technique. The right hook was perfect. That was like a video. That was a, that was a video game knockdown. Absolutely, man. Yeah, with him basically midair, it was absolutely gorgeous. He knocks him down. He gets right into half guard and and starts locking in that um, that head and arm choke. And either Oliver was really hurt or he wanted out uh, because of the way he. It seems like Oliver almost like placed his arm into position for it. And uh, then, I don't. Oh, I don't like think he, he wanted out. Huh? I don't think he wants it out. I think he was. I think he was dazed and <coughs> like and just got just got overpowered. You might be right. You, you might be right. Seen, and, and listen, Mahashev said, yeah. "Yeah, I was. I have. I, uh, I was just going uh, <laughs> to say. I, I'm trying to remember head and arm choke. Uh, we've seen exactly like that for big finishes, and it brought me back all the way ten or eleven years ago, maybe twelve years ago, to Brock Lesnar and Shane Carwin. It was that kind of like oh, wow, we, watching yeah. him." You know, watching him get over on the other side for that leverage and just cranking the neck, it was just, it was picture perfect. Yeah, I mean, it, it was different in that these are two heavyweights, one, two, two heavyweights who have no business being the best in the world in mixed martial arts. Um, and so, like, the technique wasn't really the same, and the reason that Carwin gave up was because he was exhausted. More than the choke being, like, really oh. good, he, like, gave up that okay. choke and probably wanted out as well. But he was exhausted because he had dominated – uh, Lesnar had almost finished him early, and Lesnar, to his credit, survived uh, and then came back and ended up get, getting top position, I think, in that second round and locking in a, a side choke. But again, the technique wasn't the same. Like, Islam, his technique was out of this world. Um, Oliver did this thing where he tried to kind of turn away, and so Islam would end up uh, kind of holding that position from the opposite side, and it's not nearly as effective from there. Go, all right, and go choke. back and watch the, the, Carwin tech, the Lesnar-Carwin technique, because I feel like it was the same, but we can argue about that next week. Um, Oh, I'm sure it was a thing. It was a big deal because it was a comeback, no doubt. And you're saying that it made like as much of an impression. No, I'm saying I'm moment. saying the technique uh, on the move and his ability to go over on the other side to create the leverage was was identical. But I hear that. Maybe maybe not. Let's talk about the extremely disappointing co-main event. Uh, yeah. Let's let's. Why talk about should it. TJ Dillashaw um, ever be allowed to fight in the UFC again? First, he's a, well, he should. He's a, he's come a, on, he no, should be able no, to fuck fight. That guy. Go ahead. Fuck that guy. He's the C, He's the CEO <laughs> of EPO, and then. You know, going up to this fight, he holds up the division. He has his knee surgery. Everyone knows, apparently, Cub Swanson knows. Everyone in the tra- and all of his training partners know. His gym knows that his shoulder's not going to stay in. He tells the ref in the back, my shoulder's going to come out. Don't stop the fight. How? I mean, first of all, it's irresponsible. I believe it's irresponsible of TJ Dillashaw. But uh, for the UFC and the Athletic Commission, for them to claim that when all the other fighters know about this, that they are oblivious to the fact that he's got um, a major shoulder issue with multiple dislocations fight never should have happened shouldn't have been there i'm done with that guy uh look him get like i i am not happy with him when it comes to the epo but i don't know why he gets all this extreme hate for it i know because he's not likable he gets all this extreme hate for it and almost nobody else gets this level of heat not anderson silva not john jones not the 15 or 20 guys at the very top of the uh, game that have popped for shit like steroids. Eh, blood, blood like, dope. Why does this guy get the worst heat, man? Uh, I think blood, I bet I think blood doping is like, a let's little... Let's give everybody this heat. I think, well, first of all, I, I, I just think blood doping is a little more serious. Uh, why? Why? Because I, I do think that there's lots of... I do think that there's lots of stuff that can have people pop for steroids where they don't necessarily know what's up they're not necessarily shooting it into their asses they're just dumb 
Like you have to make a lot of decisions on like the decision that you have to make to, to use steroids is rubbing, rubbing some cream on your ankle when you have, you know, when you have an injury. No, Possibly. that's different. No, it's, it's, also, it's also, it's also juice when you're like, when so you, so you buy, you buy all of these. Not uh, all of them. I, I, think, I think, I think, I think, I think blood doping is a more serious infraction. Here's why I don't necessarily think it is. There's an argument to be made that because you're blood doping, you are like hitting your opponent that much longer because you have that much more energy that many more times. But how about just steroids making you incredibly explosive and Vitor Belfort injuring Michael Bisping's eye for a life? Well, I, I, well, first of all, I think that Vitor was on more than steroids and he was also he was full. He was juiced to the gills. That's very, my, my there's different is, degree. My point is that having more power and explosiveness does extreme brain damage. I, and I think most, I think and for most guys, that's not what he PO'd up. Well, I think for most guys on steroids, it doesn't give them extra strength or explosiveness. It allows them to train through injuries better. I think. No, it's all of the above. You can make the argument that everybody, 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 okay. but it makes you okay. faster. Well, it makes you more. Let's assume, it makes listen, you have a more heart. Stan, like Vitor did li- suddenly when he was li- on the listen, juice. Yeah. Like as, as people close to the UFC have said, have said to me, like, you know, you ask them, you know, which fighters are on, which fighters are on take steroids. And the response is always the ones you've heard of. Like, yeah, I feel like it just, it's just kind of table stakes. It sucks. But also I think they mostly do it for recovery. I think the, I'm making this number up. If 50% or 60%, of fighters on the UFC roster have used steroids to either recover from injuries or for an advantage. None of them look like Vitor Belfort. There was something else. Like it's, it's no, no one else is walking around looking like a psychotic Conan monster who, who goes on a crazy the run. I like had that. great genetics to begin with. No, you're not wrong, but he has had great genetics to begin with. There are some guys who look incredibly jacked. Let's say that uh, Phil Hawes is not on steroids. Imagine him if he gets on steroids, given what he looks like right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, like an extreme athlete, just somebody who's bricked up. Like, like even, again, is it that? Is it ever that? Okay. Well, then let's let's let's, let's let me change my uh, yeah. the tact of my argument to okay. Like, what TJ did with the EPO was incredibly selfish and short sighted. Like, it's all fucking selfish and short sighted. So I'm just saying, this. like, judging him way worse well, than everyone else. He had, well, he had he had a huge thing. massive fuck up. He had a two year suspension. He came back and he just made a enormously he well, made an enormously so irresponsible out. choice. So, so hear me out. You're right about that. But here's from his perspective. I'm not saying this makes it okay. He held him in the fucking division. He should have. He should have fucking taken the time up. I agree with you there. But to say that he should never fight. Come on, dude. Like no, 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 no. I'm saying the I don't guy, need to see him fight the again. Guy just had, I don't want to. The guy was just off for a couple of years, and he just made like a fight night payday. He like needs to feed his family. So he was like, listen, I will get it if I have to. I will take an ass beating. I think I could probably, maybe, maybe pull this off without it. But if I have to, I will take an ass kicking, and and I will make this money for my family. Presume, assuming he makes pay per view revenue, right? Like, can he start like, like a? I don't think it's can he start simple. like a twink OnlyFans or something? I have no idea. I guess but it's all kind of old, you're judging for OnlyFans. No, I'm saying that's. A, I'm, yeah, he's I'm not judging it. I'm saying that's a good way to make a living. I get, listen, if, if you've tried and it's worked out for you, then uh, I'm going to need to hear more, but okay. let's do this offline. Nikolai, it was, it, it was a goddamn great card. And, and look, uh, when it comes to the co-main event, TJ Dillashaw, uh, he survived, like he showed a lot of heart, but as soon as the injury happened, he started wincing and so kind of like showing he that showed, the injury he showed was there, a lot. It was, he yeah. didn't really do. So what's next for, what's next yeah. for Sterling? I feel bad for him. Like, listen, I'm not an Aldermaine Sterling fan, but the fact of the matter is 
he caught for 18 months, you know, he caught a lot of shit and then he went in and he beat yep. Peter Jan and then he did everything to get ready for this fight. And he still had, he's got these like, you know, these, the, the disqualification win over Jan and this one, these are like asterisk wins. Yeah. So what's, what is this, right. what does this guy have to do? I, I don't think, I don't think this should be an asterisk win. Like, he came in prepared. He did his fucking job. Do, he no, dominated. No, no, there's now, no, there's no the argument could him. be made that just, he could have finished them sooner. I just mean, but yeah. it's not winning. It's not. It's I not think, winning him any fans. Like, what is? What's next for Sterling? How does he solidify his position? I think at 135? Sh- Sh- Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley is asking for it. Sean O'Malley should get it. He's the number one t- contender, quote unquote. Right. Uh, well, to be fair, he's he's the number one contender. He because he beat the previous number one contender in a close fight. But he, like skill wise, is he in that league with Sterling? I wonder. I'm okay well, to find we, out. We wondered about we wondered about Jan. I mean, the fact is Sean O'Malley is a much much better striker, and we've seen, um, you know, we've seen Sterling get obliterated by a head kick before by a smaller man uh, than is O'Malley. An explosive but, monster of a yeah. well, not with like clean hands. To but be fair. yeah, he got he got he got caught, you know, with a head kick. And O'Malley, like, I mean, we're, we should move and talk to that. But listen, that's going to be a that's just, that's going to be old school striker grappler. If there's if Sean O'Malley can keep him at range um, and tee off, Aljamain Sterling is in a lot of trouble. That said, I I don't think Sean Mal- Sean O'Malley has the has the grappling think- acumen, and I assume he's going to get backpacked in that fight. But he's got a shot, and he and he deserves right. and he deserves it. But I would be pick I would be picking Sterling. Yeah. I would be picking Sterling by backpack choke in the first or second. I I I, I agree with just about every element of that. Like they're not in the same league in wrestling, and they're not in the same league in grappling. You like had trouble getting up against Tyrion. What the fuck is going to happen against Sterling? Yeah, I mean, Yan, yeah, Yan's a good wrestler quickly. and a good and a good grappler. Let's not kid and pretend like Sterling is like is like weak and he gets hit a couple times by O'Malley that he's getting knocked out. Like Sterling is a good fucking striker. Well, the really other good thing is man. O'Malley has to, O'Malley needs time to for reads and to set up and to set up those shots. But he's that said, I've talked so much crap about this guy. I hate the whole fucking Zillennial Instagram right? thing, and I thought that he lost that right. fight. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter that if if like. Win or lose, I was like, Sean O'Malley is a is a real contender at 135. He he shut up all of the doubters and he didn't put on a he didn't put on any and he did. I, I liked his interview afterwards. He it was humility. It was the moment was big. He seemed like a real person. I, th- I think that he thought he lost a fight um, afterward, and the way he was speaking, this was not Sean O'Malley speak. I, I was telling somebody. Earlier this week, I was like, Conor McGregor would have been like, I fucked him up. I won every round. I did way more damage, right? Like, no matter what happened in that fight, if he got dominated and it was a robbery, he would have said that. Um, like, there's the natural market on him, and then it took O'Malley a couple of days to be like, hey, I definitely yeah, I don't won. Think I he, I, he, he had gotten rocked. He was in a war, and yeah, he, that's he was, I think, it's, I think it spooked him a little bit, but he was like, listen, that, he's, a, he's a fighter who can go with anyone at 135, and I'll not, I will not, I do not doubt. His yeah, cre- that's fair. I will never doubt his credibility. So, so here's, here's what I think should happen for the sake of everyone, I think. Ideal, if Sean O'Malley doesn't get an Aljamain Sterling matchup, which he could very well do because the UFC likes money and they think that O'Malley will sell as a number one contender. Um, but I think that it should be Sean O'Malley versus Corey Sanhagen. Title shots should go to Marilyn Barra, which I think is an intriguing matchup, intriguing matchup against Sterling because if Sterling doesn't submit him in the first couple of rounds, Marlon Vera's fucking going to come after him late in that fight where uh, Sterling struggled against Yan. 
Yeah, it's so I'm, I, I think overall this everybody gets a win out of this. Sanhagen either gets to come back or Sean O'Malley gets to re-solidify against a maybe less dangerous opponent. Arguably, I think this could be this could be the thing to do. But it sounds like Henry Cejudo is getting the shot. Well, so who, I mean, yeah, Cejudo's in there too. If he listen, if you can do you can do Jan Dillashaw. I wouldn't want to be TJ Dillashaw in that fight, but um, yeah, you can do Jan Dillashaw. You can do Jan Sanhagen again. You've got Marab Devashvili in there, and he's a tricky one because he is boys with Aljo. So it's like, what do you what do you do with this guy? Yeah, can Devashvili make one twenty five? I don't think so. No way. I think the only thing that could happen is Sterling possibly moving up to give Devashvili a shot, but he'd probably need a guarantee that Devashvili is getting a shot. Devashvili is going to be need to be closer than number seven, given that people like Marlon Vera are ahead of him, people like Sean O'Malley are ahead of him. Um, and I think Piotr Yambers and TJ Dillashaw is awesome. I just don't know how long it would take Dillashaw a year off or something. Um, that I think is like, again, big part of the reason, right? He just took two years off. He got a couple hundred grand for that fight. And like, he's about to take another full year off minimum for the sh- shoulder thing. Instead, he can get a title shot and make maybe, maybe millions of dollars in the high hundred thousands. I hope, I hope, man. Um, I, I just feel like for TJ, it was a no brainer. It's a hot division though. Like he, very he, hot division. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the best division in the sport, in my then what I would The other thing that I would do then, okay, here's what I would do, all right? I would do, Al, yep. I would do Aljo Cejudo. I think that's really fun. Um, I would have uh, Peter Jan and Sanhagen play it back, and I would have O'Malley and Vera play it back. I'm cool with that. Why not? Yeah, O'Malley and Vera also makes sense. I'm into that matchmaking. But yeah, I think, look, there's so many fantastic possibilities. We've got guys in the come-up like Ricky Simone Division. who's fucking unbeatable. Rob Devashvili, who's been, who's been looking awesome and un, really untouchable in a couple of years. Um, you know, there, there's some real prospects on the come-up. Don't forget. Like Omar Namar Gomedov is another guy. Jack also, Shore. Like, don't, yeah. for, don't forget Enzo Flo. Who's that? Enzo Flo is my, my bantamweight fighter and create a character in UFC 4 who's about to get a title shot against Cody Garbrandt. I'm 16 and 0. Anyway, uh, 16. Good for you, Nikolai. Restarting that that thing every time you're about to get knocked out, or just when you get knocked out before the yep. replay plays, it's it's really effective. Yeah. Do you have an? You should get an Xbox yeah. Series S or Xbox Series X so I can knock your head off. Nick, I am I am an adult man. Thousand dollars a game. Whoa, whoa! I have no experiences. Can we do it in real life and put a thousand dollars on that? Well, me and you fighting. No, my help might. Yeah, you, no, you, can, just, you can you can call yourself you can nah, call yourself uh, no way. Henzo Flow Enzo or whatever. Flo. No, whatever no not with my not not with my deductible. I'm not fucking with you. All right. <laughs> um, I'm almost 47 um, so, years old. All right, so let's keep let's keep moving because we got a whole other card we got to talk about here. Um, yeah, you're not so kidding, man. Good, um, good on Sean O'Malley. Peter Jan's bummed. Peter Jan is bummed and might want to leave the UFC, but we'll see. He'll get over it. He just he's a really good fighter. I just. Uh, He's an excellent fighter. It's crazy the situation he's in, man. Losing two, you know, very close competitive decisions, man. It's like it's, he's got to be frustrated. But, uh, but again, having watched that first round with O'Malley and Peter Yan, my thought was, I think Yan probably edged it. But O'Malley, I would rather be Yan. Uh, I would rather have taken the damage that O'Malley took, a bunch of leg kicks, rather than the head uh, trauma that Peter O'Malley. Yan took. But but the thing is, each time O'Malley hurt Peter Yan, O'Malley hurt him. I mean, Jan hurt him right back big. He just didn't cut, but he hit O'Malley with, I mean, he knocked him down. He knocked, he, 
Like Jan, it did look to me like Sean O'Malley froze him a couple times. Uh, uh, he did, he did, but, but uh, and granted, Sean O'Malley hurt him. You're right, and then he got hurt badly early in that. Yeah, like Jan, Jan that, did that round was the only Jan one. did damage. I think O'Malley won the fight on the feet, but Jan did well on the feet. And yeah, I yeah I, I give and he I give one and I gave one and uh, one and three to Jan and two to two to O'Malley. No, I th- I think. Uh, number round two was the one that's clearly Yan. Oh, clearly Yan's. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. then I'm the missing it. Up. The one where Yan hurt him shortly after, and then was. Oh, I'm sorry. Then I gave him one. You're right. I gave him. One, I gave Yan one and two, and O'Malley three. Yeah, yeah, same, same here. Um, and to be fair, one like again, I said to who I was watching with, I was like, I'd rather have taken the damage that O'Malley took rather than the headshots that Yan took. Um, but I, but I edged toward Yan, and, and the judges didn't agree. Like it is hard to argue with. Like, I think in that moment, as you watch the entire fight, and you just, like, automatically, uh, based on that second round, you just give that close first round to Yan in your head. I think that's a factor here, too, in the fact that O'Malley's not likable uh, by the uh, by the mainstream. Oh, yeah, no, the, nobody the in the MMA media in. gave him the fight. It was a clean sweep on MMA decisions. It's crazy. So yeah, I need to, I need to, Which, by the I'm way, rewatch was the one fight. of my picks. Was bullshit. I'm going to rewatch the fight without sound. All right, very, very quickly, before we get into this week's Apex card, which will have no one there except for, like, Mark Zuckerberg's assistant, um, <laughs> Benny Daryush walking into Abu Dhabi, surrounded by the sheiks, making sure he drops the big JC reference. But um, you know, he looked. Listen, I thought Benil Daryush was going to be was going to be slower, um, and I thought that he was going to be more, uh, you know, more vulnerable and more chinny. He uh, he won this very very good competitive fight. He was better everywhere. He just he I mean competitive close. He proved that he is a currently a better class of lightweight than Matush Gamrat. I thought I thought Darius shut me up a little bit. Um, he was very he was very fast. Uh, he mixed up his striking and his wrestling, um, you know, very well. And I just think I think he was more powerful and more explosive than Gamrat. And he also brought he also packed a bigger punch. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I- I, I I agree. I think like he showed first of all improvements in areas that he hasn't we haven't seen yes. before. He was way less just stupidly aggressive, right? He was still aggressive, but he wasn't just throwing bombs with his chin up in the air. His technique was on point. He was defensively minded. He was staying balanced, which he usually doesn't do. He's like lunging forward and with his head over his feet. And anytime you do that, your body weight is leaning into the punch, adding power to the punch that's landing on you. That's why part of the reason why his chin's been a liability. And in this case, he wasn't, man. He was staying balanced the entire time. It seemed like it was a brick wall that Gambro could not get past with his takedown attempts. And we, there's a footage of Khabib and Gambro entering one of the, maybe the weigh-in at the same time. And Khabib was, like, very friendly toward him and smiling toward him. And he says, you know, like, uh, you know, all smiles now, but, uh, but no smiles later, suggesting that you're going to have a title shot soon. I know it. You're, you're really good. And Khabib has said good things about it before, that wrestling is number one. If, when you wrestle well, it, it, it's very difficult to deal with. Right, so he really believed in Gamro, and, I, and I'm glad that uh, Benil Daryush was able to shut him up. At least, look, I'm intrigued by a Daryush Mahashev matchup, man. I have no problem with that whatsoever. That'd be really it's not fun. Like yep. the winner, Chandler. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, what what he showed in this matchup is that Daryush, like the fact that he was an immovable object to a guy who traded takedowns with uh, with Armand Saryukin, who traded takedowns with uh, Islam Mahashev, right? That's, oh, that's an, an older do. version of Mahashev, but yes. Yeah, true, but this is a, this guy was debuting in the UFC. Sorry, you can was right. And Makhachev was like I don't know a handful of fights ago. Like it wasn't even that long ago in his trajectory of his UFC career. 
But, you know, it also kind of goes to show the level of competition Makachev has been fighting on the come-up, but that's not his fault, right? Like, he, has, he hasn't fought any top five guys. None of them want to fight him. And Oliveira was kind of pushed into it by the UFC. If I was Oliveira, I would have been like, fuck that. Have him earn it. Have him be the top five guy, knowing that, uh, knowing that he's a difficult matchup for me and knowing that no other top five guy wants to fight him. But uh, he fucking took the fight, as he always has. The difference between the way that Khabib and Islam Makhachev grew up is that, uh, they're, they're, what's his name? Oliveira's dad wasn't picking matchups for him on the come-up against really, really bad fighters. Uh, and, and so he's taken a bunch of losses against high-level opponents. Oliveira's still the man. I'm, I'm still a fan of oh, him. Yeah. You know, Darius is fantastic. I hope he gets the title shot. Gamera will come back. But when I noticed during last episode that he had gotten rocked and knocked down a couple times in his UFC career, I was like, wow. Darius can definitely win this fight. And, uh, man, he showed more than that, more than just the ability to hurt. He was fantastic. The left kick yeah, was Yeah, I thought Gamera was going wow. to be faster and, and was going to win on the scrambles. And at the beginning of the first round, he did a bit. But, I mean, there were some remarkable scrambles. Oh, and yeah. We knew that we knew that, sure. that was one of the best scrambles I've ever seen uh, in the UFC. Okay, the only fight I, I think, you know, we can talk really good. Listen, Kyle Bralo is, is uh, for real. He did what we thought he was going to do against Makhma Murado. Um, very, very quickly, uh, Vulcan Ozdemir had a, had a lot for the usually aggressive Krylov, Krylov being usually aggressive. Um and Krylov ran into something, Ozdemir hurt him, and then Ozdemir gassed trying to finish him and had nothing for the rest of the fight. I he's I think he's done as a um, you know, as a contender. Welcome to the prelims, Vulcan Ozdemir, uh, or welcome back. Krylov, however, has been is looking really good. There was more to that Gust uh, Gustafson win. Um, and I'm excited to see him because I think he's gonna be um, fun. Give the man a prop. Yeah, I think he's going to be fun. Yeah, he's, a, he's a he's a fun uh, he's a fun contender uh, on the you know partying around the top five in uh, in in light heavyweight. The the man yeah. to talk about though, and Doesn't I take much there. I predicted this one. I called this underdog victory. Based my analysis was all about how like Brady looked in the third round against Michael Chiesa, and yep. Yep. you know the first round is Muhammad fought. A pretty perfect fight. I was worried through the first round that he wasn't lateral enough, that he wasn't that he was standing in front of Brady too much, that he wasn't showing us all that terrific movement um, that he did in the Luke, the Luke rematch. But in the second round, his footwork was great. He waited as soon as Brady started to get tired. Bilal Muhammad turned up the heat, a la almost a la like the Diaz boys on his strikes. And his his precision was awesome. It's a thing of beauty. But it's been nice to see both Benil Daryush and Bilal Muhammad ascend. Um, one's twenty two and four. One's twenty two and three. They showed up around the same time. They took their prospect losses like men. They they sure. they fought on, and now they are you know they're they're both on the cusp. Um, so good for them. Big fan of both. Big fan of both guys. Like Sean Brady will, will be back, but. He's, um, I don't know if he's, I don't know what, if he's got to move up or what, but he's got to, it's not like the dude is, the dude, it's not that the dude isn't in shape. I think it's that he carries so much muscle, but he, yeah, he, he gasses and that's a problem. You cannot fight that style in the UFC for three to five rounds and, and gas like that. You're going to get, you know, if people can, def all they have to yeah, do is wait you out right. and defend you. Yeah, I mean, uh, Muhammad put some pressure on him, and again, pressure takes a while to get going, and that's why it took until about the second round, and then Khabib implored him to finish, and he did, and he attributed that kind of finish element to Khabib, because he doesn't have the mindset to finish Bal Muhammad. Oh, he, he, sure brought, he, he sure brought it. Yeah, 
He did, man. With with Khabib yelling at him and, and, and telling him to go for that kill, Khabib in between rounds telling him like he's he's close, he's about to break. I need you to bring I need you to put it up a bit. Like that kind of thing. Um, it does sound like Khabib made a fucking difference, dude. He spent like uh, several weeks out there in um in the UAE with uh, Islam Khabib and the team and learned a lot, man, and they have that Muslim connection and it goes a long way. There's like a brotherhood element to that, you know, and so they invited him in like family essentially, the family that doesn't speak Russian to be fair, but um, I, I thought it was it was awesome to see that. It's awesome to see this guy who keeps getting fucking underestimated. I think I picked against him uh, against Luke as well. He keeps getting fucking underestimated. I think I picked him against him against uh, against him in the Damian Maya matchup. Like I got to give this man his props. And Bob Muhammad is a fantastic fighter. And uh, you got to give him more props based on that first round against uh, Leon Edwards. This guy can beat Leon Edwards. Hey I'm man, not saying he I will. Picked, I, I picked him. Five round fight. I picked him in this fight. Mm-hmm. So I'm. Uh... You did, and, and, and so you're right. You're, you're on the train, and I appreciate that. I respect it. Uh, although it was more because I think you didn't believe in Sean Brady. Uh, outside of that, Nikolai... Um, no, it wasn't Muhammad just, it wasn't just that. It was, how, yep. it was how smart uh, Bilal Muhammad was again in the last Luke fight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he, and you know what? He always has been. He's been a guy who game plans well. He studies the game. He watches fights uh, that, uh, where guys with a similar style have lost. How did they lose? How did, how did uh, Fedor beat Krokop, the, the sharp, uh, left-handed... Uh, left-legged uh, southpaw, right? The, the the fast southpaw, like uh, like he fought. Uh, uh, to be fair, he lost that matchup, but when he fought Joff Neal, um, he he does this kind of research, and it's been paying off. And with all, the skill yeah, level also kind of octagon experience, man. That Joff Neal fight no was doubt. January 2019, so almost um, you know almost four years ago, and since that, yep. like like since that loss, he's had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, well, nine fights in almost four years. That's so like a little over two fights a year. So not not as active as I thought he was, but he's still been he's still been pretty active. Um, activity is something I'm going to talk about a lot when discussing um, the Apex card that we're about to pick. But should we? Uh, awesome, uh, Nick. Nick I, th- I think we can move on. Basically, I don't I don't know if there's much else to really dive into on this one, but fantastic, fantastic last four fights in that main card. Everything else was like okay, but man, was this a fucking crazy event! Great event to show to a relatively new fan, which is who I was watching with. We were visiting friends in uh, in um, uh, Pennsylvania, and and man, he was like, "Listen, when you tell me to watch an event, I'm watching an event." Like he he was he was very excited about cool it. Cool so, story, great event to kind bro. Of intro a new fan cool story, yeah, man. Bro. Cool story. Are you are you mocking no, me? Oh wait, oh you're, oh, you're still there. Sorry. Get out, Nikolai. Uh, let's dive into UFC Fight Night: Cater versus Allen. This is uh, a pretty shitty event, if we're going to be honest. Really, the main event, maybe maybe two or three other fights are worth watching, but the only high stakes here is the two guys in the main event, who are the only two guys in the top ten. Uh, outside of that, we got uh, maybe a number thirteen. Who was it? Uh, there was one fight. Uh, Dustin Jacoby is like number 13 or 14 in the UFC. Um, that's the only other top 20 UFC fighter. Insanity. But uh, we're going to break this down. Maybe Andre Arlovsky is the top 20. That's very possible, I guess, at heavyweight. It is heavyweight after I think all. He's prob- I think Nick, he's probably uh, in the this- top 15 or top 12 in heavyweight. Uh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be shocked. We were supposed to have uh, Ilya Tapuria and Zimbarbosa on this card, which would have been awesome, but... Also, oh, Jakar Close, Mark Madsen would have been really fun, but Close, I guess, jacked up his ACL. Um, yeah, so yeah, that would have been fantastic. So you're right. They initially stacked it better than it looks now. Who's got the first pick? Um, I believe I have the first pick. And to be honest, I don't know if this is the right event to have the first pick on, but I think I'm going to go with, um, with, with a favorite who, like, I don't usually like doing this, but picking a guy based on his performance in a loss 
Um, I think I have to take Christian Rodriguez to beat Joshua Weems. Weems is just kind of like a powerful brawler. Um, but what what Christian Rodriguez showed in his UFC debut was literally on five days' notice against Jonathan Pierce. Dude, he like had Pierce in legitimate trouble, almost submitted him a couple of times, scrambled with him like nobody else does. Jonathan Pierce is a really successful UFC fighter. Uh, he finishes guys like Marquan Americani, just overwhelmed guys like Omar Morales. Kai Kamaka the third, he finished all these mofos, man. He's really good. Christian Rodriguez made it to a competitive back-and-forth war of a decision with that guy. Um, and his UFC debut on like five days' notice. He trains with Rufus Sport, which isn't always like a great thing, but I, I'm impressed by this kid. And he's fighting like a very, very green uh, Joshua Weems, who, who I think I think realistically will be out, out tough and outskilled here. Uh, Rodriguez is fast, but super, super uh, good grappling. Uh, maybe not the best wrestling, but really good grappling. And, and he's like very aggressive and on point with the striking, despite the, the speed uh, inefficiency. Cool, cool. Um, I'm with you on that. I'm going to go with uh, maybe not the most conventional first first choice, but listen, I am a big fan of uh, Dustin Jacoby's boxing. This is a guy that's been doing it for a long time. He hasn't lost in the UFC. Um, I think, yeah, I guess he lost in the UFC back, like going back 10, you know, 10 years when he originally, you know, when he was originally there. But since then, he's fought a ton of kickboxing. Uh, including two two bouts against your uh, your old buddy Wayne Barrett, um, fought right. it twice. Uh, you know, took out Carl Robertson, like, and he's looked really really good the last couple of years. And he fought like five times last year, I think. You know, wins over Maxim Christian, uh, a draw with Ian Takutalaba, beat Darren Stewart, uh, beat him up, beat John Allen, beat uh, Mikhail uh, Alexujic. Beat Da Jun, and now he's fighting Cleo Rantry. Cleo Rantry is a big, strong, tough dude who hits hard. Jacoby is a just far superior boxer, and the faster guy with better precision uh, wins this fight. It's not like you know Rantry's got this amazing shot and is gonna be is gonna you know have a great time on the ground. I don't see him. Um, you know, doing that. I think this fight is contested on the feet. I think Dustin Jacoby pieces him up over three rounds. Maybe, maybe gets the finish late. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think it's a good pick. Uh, I, I don't know if I would have, yeah, I wouldn't have made it far off to be fair, but here's the thing though. The danger is that sometimes Killer Rowtree comes in and he's just a frightening monster who seems unbeatable. Sometimes he comes in there and he is absolutely horrid. So oh. it's hard to tell which version we're going to get. Like, this guy is if he's dangerous if he takes full advantage of his how dangerous he is, dude. He can he can just knock out Dustin Jacoby. He, Dustin Jacoby was dropped twice by Max Grishin. He's not exactly a high output high power fighter generally. Uh, he won that decision, but a lot of people think he shouldn't have. Um, part of his kind of 12 fight win streak between a couple of sports, Dustin Jacoby's. But there is some danger here. Is why maybe I wouldn't have picked up this early because Roundtree is a scary mofo. But I agree with you. Like you got to go with a more technical guy with a good jab who's going to throw lots of leg kicks and potentially going to set up a head kick. Um, who knows how to keep some distance, decent semblance of defense, and has fought way harder, more explosive hitters in his career. Right, his last couple losses to Simon Marcus, who, to be fair, Khalil Roundtree can fight like Simon Marcus in that he's as powerful and ferocious. Not as maybe technical, but. Um, again, Roundtree has a chance if the right version of him shows up, but you got to go with Jacoby. Yeah, I also feel like Jaco it's been a while since Jacoby has like learned how to lose. Like he doesn't, he he doesn't lose. You're right. I mean, kickboxing, fighting Marcus, fighting. Uh, I mean, well, he fought, but he fought uh, King Mo and, and Bellator on the wrestling side. He fought fucking, you know, going back eight years, he fought Alex Pahea. 
you know, like in yep. Warriors. So like, yep. you know, Claire Roundtree being big and strong is not going to intimidate this dude. Uh, no, and, and intimidation wasn't really what I was thinking. But I, but again, I'm generally right with you. One thing about Roundtree, like Donald Cerrone, you want to intimidate this guy. He'll fall for it. We saw that particularly against Ian Kutelaba, where he was literally frightened of him. Literally showed how frightened he was of Ian Kutelaba. Uh, in the in the weigh-in stare-down, when Ian was his crazy Hulk self, and, and then in the actual fight, he just got smoked. He had no business being there. So you can get into his head. You can absolutely just ravish this guy mentally. Uh, that goes a long way. Uh, next up, I'm going to pick in the matchup between Max Griffin and Tim uh, Means. Yeah, that was, that was my other Means. first pick. Yeah. Uh, Tim Means is a scrappy motherfucker, man. He's he's known for just toughing through tough moments, being durable as hell. He's fast for, 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 a, for a, a guy like his height, um, considering he doesn't look very like mus- muscled up. But he's getting up there in age, right? He's 38 years old. Not only that, but he's got a shitload of miles on him. He's been fighting for, let me see, since 2004. Nikolai, that's, a, that's 16 years since he started his amateur career. Um, and by the way, his pro career also started in 2004. So this man has been taking a lot of punishment. Um, and lately it's been showing, right? He, he's starting to get dropped. Uh, part of the reason that he lost to Kevin Holland is because he got dropped. He can do really well early, and then suddenly things start to go against him. Max uh, Griffin has had issues with cardio before, where his third round's always sluggish after he just, like, Almost takes the wrong game plan, but he's been fighting more carefully, more cautiously lately. He doesn't run into his opponent's offense. He was on a three-fight winning streak against, like, decent, not great competition. Ramiz Rahimaj is not bad. Keenan Song is okay. And Carlos Condit, even an old version of him, is a pretty good fighter. And then he, I think most people believe, beat Neil Magny, but lost the decision because the third round went Neil's way, and somehow the judges gave it to Neil. Um, so he should be on a four-fight winning streak right now. The losses prior to that was, were to Alex Morono and Alex Oliveira, both who are, if I remember correctly, pretty arguable. He's improving. He's getting better. He's getting more patient. He's got power in his hands. And I think he can draw in Tim Means the way that he did with Teal Magny, Neil Magny, rather than running forward. Uh, he can kind of stay on the back foot and counter Tim Means, who's going to be aggressive and give him opportunities to do that. And we've seen Griffin lately dropping guys more than yeah. ever. And Tim Means getting dropped more than ever. Yeah, that's why I think, I think this, is, this probably should have been my first pick, but I think this is a Griffin first round TKO is most likely. Um, when you say this kind of thing, Nick, I, I like that when I take a pick that you really wanted, it, it, it doesn't go well. So I'm, I'm kind of well, we'll uh, see. I'm kind of lost confidence um, now. I'm going to go ahead and pick the main event, which might be – you might think is crazy. But the fact of the matter is – Let's go, Nick. This is, this is an instance of – and listen, we're going to learn a lot about Arnold Allen either way. But I love Calvin Cater. He's a great uh, – you know, great fighter. He always puts on a scrap. He's must-see TV. Um, but there's something that goes along with that, which is, like, durability. You know, a la the man that lit him up, uh, Max Holloway, like, I'm concerned about the amount of punishment Calvin Cater uh, has taken in these wars, win, lose, or draw, over the last three years. His fight against Zabit, his fight against Jeremy Stevens, Holloway. He didn't take really much damage against uh, Giga Chikaze, but against Josh Emmett, they were bombing. Like he did take damage damage against Giga man. He really did. He got oh, roughed up he? early felt... in that first. Okay, yeah. I believe it was that first round. Um, well, reg- anyway, he's. I thought, I thought he did. He's a tough, tough yeah. dude. I take nothing away from him. But Arnold Allen, who seems like a terrific athlete, a well, really well-rounded, good everywhere, MMA fighter, who's been fighting, you know, for the last seven eight years 
in the eight years in the UFC. Seven and a half years ago, he debuted in the UFC, and he's been fighting like once a year. Once a year yeah. for seven years. And he looks, he seems like he's getting better. He's in terrific condition. And he's beating guys like Sadiq Yusuf, Dan Hooker, Nick Lentz. You know, a couple of years ago, he took on uh, Gil Melendez when it was really, you know, the end of the road for Gilbert. But he, ha- Arnold Allen has, is like not taken, he doesn't have a lot of miles. I know, I don't know, it's hard for me to calculate. I don't know what, how, what gym miles are, but he has not been in these five round wars of attrition. And I feel like, although Cater peaked, you know, maybe 18 months ago or something, like, I do think it's catching up with him. I do think his durability is waning just a tiny bit. I do think he's a little bit slower than he was. I don't think he's going anywhere, but against a young, uh, you know, prime athlete who has, you could say protect, been protected, but who just doesn't have the mileage. Um, I just, I see, uh, I see Arnold Allen ha- having more, uh, having more in the gas tank, being a little bit better. Um, and you know, maybe not in the pocket, but I see him being a better mixed martial artist, being able to a, b- a better athlete, uh, being able to uh, mix things together, uh, takedowns up against the cage. I, I think that the only chance that Calvin Cater has in this fight is if Arnold Allen very foolishly, you know, draws a line in the sand, bites them in the mouthpiece, and decides to and decides to get into a you know, like a cheek to cheek boxing match. Um, otherwise, I think it's Arnold's fight to lose. Great breakdown, man. Yeah, um, you think so? I, you, like, really, I, you thought that was a great I, breakdown? Yeah, okay. yeah I, I did. That. Yeah, I, I uh, up until up until uh, recently, I had I had it pegged for Calvin Cater, which is why I'm surprised that you're that confident enough to make this your second. It's pick. one of those. It's um, one of those things where, like, even though I think it's close, I just believe in the result. You know, says yeah, the guy who's uh, down 19 it. points. But. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. And you've had some great instincts in the past in this kind of thing, but here's the thing. Um, Calvin Cater throws so many more strikes than this Arnold Allen. I'll put it to you this way. The only time Arnold Allen has ever thrown more than 100 strikes in a fight was against Gilbert Melendez, who was just prime for the picking, man. He just had no competitive nature in him in that fight. Whereas Calvin Cater landed 130 against Emmett, landed 144 against uh, Giga. And by the way, Giga, uh, nobody landed more on Calvin Cater than Giga, besides Max Holloway. You see what I'm saying? Like, Giga landed 128 strikes on him throughout that five-round fight. He took punishment in that one. He took punishment in the, in the last three fights, a lot of punishment. Dan Ige landed on him, too, even though maybe with not the same level of power. But he has taken a lot of punishment, to your point. Um, but that's what Cater does. He lands 130 in his last fight, 144 against Giga, 133 against Max Holloway, 105 against Dan Ige. Um, and then we go back to three-round fights where he's landing, you know, as little as, 52 as much as 80 and a decision of 52 in a, in a mid-round knockout, right? So so the guy has extremely high output. And if you look at uh, the numbers on the other side, um, he landed 49 strikes, to be fair, in two and a half minutes against Dan Hooker, but he just went wild and even got hurt by Dan Hooker. Um, so it wasn't fighting like himself. He landed 21 strikes against Sadiq Yusuf over three rounds, a five five-minute rounds, three five-minute rounds, excuse me, Nikolai. 21 strikes he landed to Sadiq Yusuf's 47. He landed 63 strikes against Nick Lentz in a busy fight for him. That's probably, you know, the second most he's ever landed. 37 against Rinaldi, 29 against Burnell. 
Uh, he landed 32 against Marquand Americani. These are all decisions, man, or fights that went to the third round. So the output definitely concerns me big, but he showed the ability to hurt people. On the other hand, Cater is extremely durable, right? He's never been down, even against Max Holloway, taking almost 500 strikes. He never went down, dude. Um, you know, I don't think it's as simple as it will be against Dan Hooker, and I know you don't either. Um, Cater has a higher pace, right? He's extremely durable. He's got five-round experience, which Allen does not have. He's got higher level of competition experience. He's fought the very elite, but Allen has the speed advantage. He has the footwork advantage, and his power is increasing. He's also 28. Um, Cater, he's 28, and Cater's, yeah, and Cater's yeah, a hard, thir- he's a a hard 34. You're right. You're right, man. He's taking a lot of punishment, especially lately. Cater's susceptible to uh, kind of a, having a speed disadvantage, and Allen happens to have speed. Cater is susceptible to leg kicks and just a, a very busy kicking game. And uh, I've seen Allen throw low calf kicks. Even as a southpaw, it, it's more difficult to use that, that uh, outside leg kick, but it's, it's, it's doable for him because he has a decent angle on it. And so if he uses a lot of kicks, if he uses a lot of footwork, he can win this fight. We've seen Calvin Cater lose to this kind of this sort of fighter. We've seen him lose to Max Holloway. Go Holloway just kind of went right at him. Zavid Magomed and Renato Renato Maicano, right? Guys that were able to just circle and use their footwork uh, to stay on the outside and stay out of boxing range and do damage. Calvin Cater follows. He doesn't cut off the cage. And that's kind of an issue with his pressure game. He's, it's a really good pressure game. It's extremely effective. But he follows and doesn't cut off. If you cut off, it is so much more just overwhelming if you're being pressured, if, you, if your opponent's cutting you off and going, staying exactly in front of you as they continue to throw strikes at you. Um, I think Arnold Landon can potentially take advantage of that. I'm going with Allen. He's a younger guy. Um, the five-round experience really concerns me because let's not forget that he was uh, he lost that third round very clearly in his matchup against Sadiq Yusuf, right? That's concerning, man. What if it was a gas tank issue? What if round three, four, and five is going to be clear-cut uh, Calvin Cater? It's possible. Um, as long as Cater makes it to the first couple rounds and he's really durable so extremely close fight on paper i'm surprised you picked it this early but i'm glad you did because that leaves me maybe some slightly better picks but this is a hard event to uh to, to pick from to be honest um I'm, i think i'm gonna take a it's hard to take a heavyweight fight i'm, I'm gonna go with it i'm, I'm gonna pick in the andre Lofty, marcos rogero de lima matchup was that your next yes. one i'm, I'm gonna take it i'm taking and i was gonna, and I, was, I, was, uh, I, I was gonna get the bonus here too uh, yeah, that's the thing is that we've seen Andre Lofty hurt in the past. We've seen him buzz in the past. And Marcos Rogerio de Lima has the power to buzz anybody on planet Earth. He's extremely powerful, and he throws with reckless abandon with serious, like, real heavy, heavy shots. Um, had a really close fight with Bogdan Ivanov, who's another fast heavyweight like Arlovsky, another uh, kind of former Soviet, uh, uh, like, originated heavyweight. Right? And the thing with uh, Bogdan is that he's pressuring forward, and Andre Arlovsky is not in the pocket with you. He's circling away. He's using that footwork. He's cutting angles. He is at least as fast as most heavyweights, and that's part of what kept him in the loop and in a situation where he's 6-1 uh, and one in his last seven fights, Nick. He is, uh, what is it? Yeah, 6-1 and one in his last seven, dude. Like, he's, he's not doing badly long at all. And speaking of Miles, the guy's been fighting since 1999, Nikolai. 23, 24 years this man has been competing. That's insanity, dude. Unbelievable. Like the fact that he's still around and still in the conversation, still, like you said, in the top 15. Um, I'm going to take Andre Olofsky because I think as long as he makes it to the first round, he has a decent shot. It's risky because uh, what we've seen from Delima is that he can be really powerful. He can also lay down on you for a while and just hold you down. I don't think he can do that to Olofsky. I'm going to take Olofsky for two points, man. It's two, not three. He's over plus 200. 
Um, plus, plus 250 is required for, yeah. All right, yeah, I had that. That was my next pick. Uh, enough that it matters. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with... Um, I mean, this is more a case of picking against somebody than picking for someone, but I'm going to go with uh, Josh, the big yin's uh, friend. Uh, or is that how you say his last name? Uh, Fremd, yeah, yeah. I'm going to take Fremd over Trezy and Gore. Gore, I thought, looked uh, not really great in his fight with Brian Battle, and I thought he looked even worse against Cody Brundage. And it's not like, you know, I don't think that, you know, Cody Brundage, a guy with losses to William Knight and Nick Maximov, is a, is a world beater. Um, I don't, I think there's something up with Gore. He looks like a terrific athlete. I do think he carries probably more muscle than I like to see um, on a fighter, but. Yeah, three and two coming out of the UFC house. This is his probably his last shot, and I just have not seen anything uh, from this guy that makes me feel like uh, you know he's going to succeed under the lights. I realize the apex is probably feels more like um, tough than you know right. than um, being on like a, like what the last UFC fight night he was on was. It was at the apex, so it's the same. Yeah, I just don't think I just don't think that guy's very good. <laughs> I don't think he's I don't think he's UFC level. I think Josh Fram is 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 uh, borderline UFC level, um, and I'm picking him because I've got no faith in Gore. Yeah, I have to I have to agree with you on this one. Um, I think that friend actually has some potential yeah. he actually survived in a in a tough fight um in his last match against anthony hernandez who's just a fucking killer and he just takes everybody out of their element he just applies such pressure on you so the fact that he like was that competitive to that extent and also took that fight on short notice and he got kind of tired understandably against the pressure fighter on short notice um i'm hoping that he's going to be in better shape and the thing about trisha gores he's got a lot of potential but he's extremely raw he is not ready for the UFC, right? He's 3-0 leading up to this. They're like, what the fuck is going on? Why, why would this even happen at this point in his career? So it, it did happen, unfortunately. Um, he is here. He shouldn't be. He's not ready to learn another job. And, and I think that Friend should have a good out here. And quite frankly, I think Friend should be a bigger favorite. So maybe something to consider betting on because um, I don't think Gore is ready for anything close to this. My next pick is going to be in the matchup. I think I'm going to take another risk, Nikolai. I'm going to take Roman Dolides at plus 150 to beat Phil Hawes. Um, Wait, you're going to take, you're going to take, that you're going to take Roman Dolides? Yeah, oh, mostly because of cool. the I'm going to take, um, I'm going to take I'm, your mom out for a steak. All right, go ahead. Um, you, you, I mean, all the money you owe me, you're going to have to like pay for the meals of many members <laughs> of my family, Nikolai. Um, so, yeah, look, Roman Dolides, um, he's got like that, I'm, I can surprise you with a giant bomb that shouldn't, shouldn't knock you out but will kind of shit, right? Like he... He's dangerous. He has good jiu-jitsu, even though I don't yeah. expect him to do well in that one, element one of the game. One point, by the way, just so you know. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's, he's marked at plus 150 just by one book. Um, if you look at uh, fightoffs.io, there's a couple of other books. Uh, um, so, so yeah, for, for that reason, I'm thinking I'm, I probably would have edged Phil Hawes had odds been even, and there was this two-point opportunity. It's like last week, I got a couple of my picks wrong. Even though I thought the other guy was going to win, I, I made the picks that I made because there was value and I thought they had a high enough chance. I think Roman Deleuze has a decent enough chance of just clubbing Phil Hawes at some point after looking rough early. Uh, Phil Hawes is going to be faster, more explosive, more technical on the feet and should be the better wrestler. But Roman Deleuze has some of the intangibles that Phil Hawes doesn't seem to have. 
The Phil House has like some pretty hollow books. Yeah, but we've seen uh, House get knocked out, and Roland Delete seems like he's a crazy person. <laughs> like that's that is true. That that is true. He's 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 got a he's he's got like this kind of douchey Eastern European vibe. But, it reminds uh, me of the, but he's an effective fighter. I love you've seen the Key and Peel MMA skit, right? It's like one of my most favorite things ever. I don't know if I did. I've seen a lot of this skits. Oh my god! One. Okay, when we finish, we're gonna co- we'll co-watch this. Oh, I did. I saw it. I saw when it. You I do remember that. Tube in mouth. <laughs> then you yeah, will yeah, understand yeah, yeah. I do, I do God's that. plan. <laughs> I'm gonna kill your whole family. <laughs> or he's, no, he's so weird. Funny. He's just spooky. He's just like one dude's like a like a spooky religious guy and the other dude's like rampage and the, the rampage guy gets terrified. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. It deletes um, is crazy is the, is the point there. Um, wait, wait, Nick, if there are 11 fights, I think I only have 10 on my list here. Are there two fights left that we haven't picked? Um, the fights that we have not picked are Cody Jordan, Carlos Moda, Chase Hooper, Steve Garcia, Joseph Holmes, uh, June Young Park. Uh, those are, wait a minute. And, wait a and, minute. and Waldo wait. Cortez Acosta versus Jared Vendera. Dude, I, I, I lost so many picks from my list somehow. Um, anyway, what is your we next pick? We picked seven there? fights. There's like, um, my next pick Dude. is... Um, I don't want to pick any of these fights. I'm going to go... Um, hang on, I got to check odds on this shit. Yeah, I, oh yeah, I, I like... Uh, I like, the, I like John Young Park over Joseph Holmes. I don't really feel like Holmes has showed us too much, and I'm a, I'm a Park fan. And I, I don't think I need to explain why I'm a Park fan. <laughs> his, his fights are hilarious. Dude, you know, Park is fantastic. But, Nick, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I, I, I had a very incomplete list in front of me. This is really good to know. I would not have made the picks that I made at the times that I made them had I seen this. Um, I couldn't agree with you more about Junior Park. I, I think it's a good opportunity, and, and you're smart uh, for taking it. Um, and, and, and I agree. I, I think that Joseph Holmes is not ready for this shit yet. Maybe he has some potential. He hits hard, but Junior Park competed, you know, with a much higher level of competition. He's been looking a little rough lately and undersized, and Holmes is a big, big dude. Yeah, so, I hope so, I mean, so is Eric Andrews, and he beat him. And, like, listen, a loss to Gregory Rodriguez looks better and better every, uh, you know, every day. Gregory Rodriguez is a fucking beast, and he's a problem at 185, I think. Yeah, and Junior Park had him in a lot of trouble. Dude has a really good jab, a really good double leg takedown. I think both of those can come in handy here. I agree with you. He should win this fight even though he's undersized. Um, next, I'm going to take Chase Hooper to beat Steven, Steve Garcia. Garcia's not very durable, not very athletic. He's got a lot of grit. And if you let him through a few minutes and you're tired, you are in trouble because he will pry pressure on you. Um, he's not the giving up type, but he is the type that can be knocked out. Uh, Chase, Chase Hooper's not Chase the knocking Hooper's out looking. type. No, but dude, he's he looked like an, another level in his last matchup in a fight that I was very confidently picking against him. Chase Hooper came in there and fucking boxed up and out wrestled and out grappled a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt who never looked this bad, dude. Like Philippe Colaris is a pretty decent fighter for a guy who doesn't have a great record in the in the UFC. He's a pretty fucking decent fighter, dude. Um, and like even in his losses, he's had. He's had some like really great moments, and, and, and to be fair, he did lose to Steven Peterson, which is concerning. Um, sorry, that's Chase Hooper that lost to, to Steven Peterson, but Philippe Corrales is no joke, dude. Um, and and like the way that he dominated him both on the feet, he's a much bigger man. He's filling out his muscle frame. Um, I, I feel like Steven Garcia is exactly the kind of guy that they're setting up for him to lose to. This, uh, these odds are insanity, but, uh, but I've got Chase Hooper here. I think he's going to be better just about everywhere. Maybe he'll have a little less grip, but he's pretty nasty himself. Um, and then is, is this the last pick? But I'm gonna go with um, 
Huh. I like Cody Durden, but I'm going to go with uh, Carlos de Carmo Mota uh, to beat uh, to beat Cody Durden. Who? Carlos Mota. This is a what? This is a fight at flyweight. Oh, Carlos Carlos Mota. Yes. You may um, remember so Cody Carlos Durden Mota from beating up JP Baez, the guy that used to be married to that other person. Wait, so you remember that, but you don't remember that the person who that person left JP Baez for is... Oh, yeah, um, Roland Deleuze, yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, look, um, I think that Mota is pretty legit. My concern is him taking on such short notice. If Cody Durden survives the first, first, let's say, six or seven minutes, he could take over. Um, but will he survive the first six or seven minutes? I don't know. Mota seems legit. He seems like he's UFC ready. I wouldn't throw him into the deep end, but I think he could be a prospect here at 125. So I'm pretty excited about him. I hope the short notice doesn't hamper his cause to win because I really don't like Cody Durden at all. Um, and no, then why after don't, why that, don't really like, do we why don't really like Cody Durden? I don't remember. I don't remember what his deal is. He's just overall a complete idiot and very unlikable when he speaks, and he has this con- like the, just the look on his face is just ugh, yeah. like he looks like he's disgusted Co- at all times. Cody's, and after beating Cody's um, always seemed like that. I don't know a lot of good Cody's. <laughs> Uh, but he, he's a particularly unlikely. Usually, uh, Cody is also kind of a Chad. He's not a Chad. He's just like, ugh. He's just like not. He's a dirt. He's, he's, a, like, he's like, a Durden. He, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. Uh, um, thank, in his fight against, yeah, I was ahead. gonna say, thank God we don't have to really pick Vandera Cortez Acosta. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, Cortez Acosta is a decent boxer, and Bandera is a jobber, so I guess I'll go with Waldo Cortez. Yeah, okay, yeah, um, I was going to. So if we need, if we have a fall off, we all we both get Waldo. Yeah, although maybe I'll consider Bandera for two points. It's just hard to rely. Like the version of Bandera that came in there against uh, Carlos Philippe, that guy could beat Waldo. I just don't trust him to be that version. He's been fighting tougher guys. Anyway, um, yeah, I, as far as Moto's concerned, I'm kind of excited about him. That's a shame he's taking it on short notice, but I, but I have high hopes for the guy. Nikolai, that'll do it for this event. When it comes to the betting, uh, Nick, um, it's it's risky to go in the main event, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't not recommend an Arnold Allen by decision ticket, which will give you some plus odds. Um, Calvin Cater could very well win a decision. Uh, I think the odds of this not getting uh, the, the odds of this getting finished is not super high unless Arnold Allen is exhausted in the second half of the fight. Uh, and then Max Griffin, I think, is a solid bet because he's uh, less than a neg- minus two hundred uh, favorite. Um, I recommend a bet on Josh Friend, uh, whether it be a straight bet or include him in a parlay. I think he's got the skills to give Gore some serious let's, trouble uh, yeah. in Gore's career. Yeah. Let's go through the picks go real ahead. quick because I, I have a weird number. So my look at look at what you got. I've got I've got Allen, Jacoby, Friend, Park, and Mota. Am I missing one? Um. I think that might be. Let's see. You got Jacoby. Oh, I have you down um, for deletes twice. Hang on. Alan. Oh. You've well, got Hooper like, Rodriguez. Also, like uh, I might, I might change that delete pick. I'm just giving you a heads up. The plus one fifty is worth. I think it's worth the roll of the dice. I can take these risks because I'm ahead. I probably wouldn't have made some of these picks the way that I've been making them in the last couple of events. I'm rolling the dice on some underdogs because I have nothing to lose. I, I figure I'll either win smaller or or win big. You know what I'm saying? Next year is going to be my year. I believe it, Nikolai. I believe it. You're only getting better at this, man. I don't. I don't You're know if that's the case, but I appreciated that you liked some of my breakdowns today. Oh, dude! Uh, particularly that one for the main event, I thought was really solid. You brought up some really valiant points that um, I think a lot of folks are are kind of missing going into this matchup, Nick. We should be on ESPN. Can you make this happen? I mean, we're better than we're better than Ariel Hawani. Um, 
So well, as far as fight breakdowns, for sure. But he sure knows how to cozy up to some powerful people and interview them all. Yeah, he's not as much of a as a as a company schlub. I mean, he stood up to the UFC bench like holy shit, DC. DC's commentary is bad. His waistline is big, and he's just taking money from whoever. <laughs> like, I mean, good more power to him. Like, he seems like a happy like family man and like a great you know a great guy. But I really feel like yeah. he's phoning in the commentary, and he's just be, he's, be, he's very much become just like the company dude. Um, like Bisping yeah, and Felder, he's and, Mike Goldberg, yeah, of color commentary. Yeah, Bis, now. like Bisping, Felder, and Cruz are all so much better. I agree. The problem with uh, Cruz is that he's he's he has a lot of awkward moments. It's because he's it's because he's like an excited. asshole. But I like it. I, but it's like well, I don't disagree with you. I enjoy it, and I think like the hardcores do do as well. Uh, but he he's not like like Paul Felder has the combination. I have pretty good UFC experience. I can talk about my experience with how this is going. I am friends with some of these athletes. I am jovial and funny, and 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 I, I can also really get riled up for for an intense moment. Oh yeah. Um, you can't be so monotone. The UFC doesn't like that shit. Cruz, Just like that British announcer that they don't get much of a much of a chance to. Yeah, I, forget I mean, Cruz is an asshole. Bisping's a reformed asshole, and Felder's a nice guy, and Cormier is just like you know on the. I think Bisping is growing into his own. He's, he really, he's, he's bad. He's. Man. I think Bis, I'm the like ever since like post Vitor Bisping is like one of my favorite athletes. I you know how much I hated that guy during like the Matt Hamill years and the Hendo stuff and me too. And like, yeah. boy, he's really, um, I can't think of a, of an athlete who won me over the way that he has. Yeah. He's really changed his course. And he's got mature, man. He was, he was a young kid with a chip on his shoulder. And, and to be honest, like a lot of that shit sold fights and he realized that side of the game as well. Michael Bisping did. And then he realized toward the end of his career, being the veteran, being like, it almost kind of made a face turn with that win over Luke Rockhold, shutting up Luke Rockhold, who people are starting not to like. I think like he kind of parlayed that into changing his, his personality because if he had remained a heel, um, no, I think he still would have been able to pull something like this off. It's just now I think he's just a lot more likable and people are yeah. more into him. But yeah, man, Daniel Cormier is not getting any better. Michael Bisping went from really bad to pretty good. Daniel Cormier went from like not bad Staying bad. So same level, no no improvement, no more research, and he's been called out so many times that he's really sensitive about it, which is awesome. So, I love it when a fighter calls him out. Yeah, and he gets defensive. Uh, me too. Um, real quick, oh shit, Uriah Hall's in this card. We got that. Uh, we got That's Jake right. Paul Anderson Silva. What's your pick? I mean, look, before Anderson Silva gave that interview describing how he got knocked out twice in training. That's concerning. Maybe he was dropped. I don't know, but that's really concerning. I still got to go with Anderson. But if, if you're telling me Anderson can't rough him up for a couple rounds, then Paul just lands a bomb out of nowhere. Um, it's possible. But I've got to go with Anderson given that presumably he's on the juice, which Jake Paul probably is too. But when he's on the juice, he's like the, the Anderson Silver from five or six years ago who was still competitive with some of these guys, kind of like uh, Overeem now that he's back on the juice. He's not only you know, he's lifting weights now, you can tell. Uh, but he's now competitive with the you know one of the better kickboxers in in kickboxing history again. Um, th there's something to the juice man, and he's back on it. It's just concerning that he's been knocked out twice recently. Man. Alleg allegedly, he says it was a translation these. issue. He might have just meant that he got. Tapped. I'm sure. Well, what's he going to say? The commission's going to cancel the fucking fight. He's got to make his couple million dollars, doesn't he? And he, yeah, and he's and he got Uriah Hall as fighting a running back instead of you. I think you should you should have tried to get on that card to get revenge on him for letting you up in sparring. Um, in, uh, he he didn't light he didn't light me up. He was sure, just sure, um, sure. He, he was just going full strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually I'm, did very just, well against him. I think that's what frustrated. I know I was there. Um, 
Go for yourself. And then <laughs> oh, we got Lomachenko fighting. Lomo, that's awesome. And then the big, if I'm correct, the next UFC card. Oh, we've, we've got, never mind. We've got Marina Rodriguez, Amanda uh, Lemos, which is really interesting. Um, a good main event. And then we've got the big Adesanya. Uh, Adesanya. I'm looking forward to that, man. So, yeah, we've got next week yeah. Marina Rodriguez uh, against Amanda Lemos, Dan, uh, D-Rod against Neil Magny, Josh Parisian, Chase Sherman. I thought they were the same person. I guess they're it's not. Mark place. Madsen, Grant Dawson. That's fun. Um, Dalton Almeida is back on the card against uh, Maxime Grisham. So that's that's cool. Miranda Maverick against Shana Young. That's a really interesting fight. Um, yep. Yeah. It's, uh, there's some good shit going on. Um, yeah, so some things to look forward to, which is nice. And I am intrigued by this Jake Paul Anderson Silva matchup. I'm really rooting for Silva, but I think Jake Paul might get away with it again. Might get away with another win over a former UFC champion. And listen, if he's making the moves that he's making, know. he can pull Sil- this off. That he Silva's, Silva can be a big, you know, Silva can be big, uh, and he's fast and he's elusive. Like he is. Like Jake and Jake really Paul's mostly been re- been you know fighting wrestle wrestle is he boxer. Durable? Is Silva durable? True. I mean, he fought Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., I guess, who's probably much smaller. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, again, on the juice, he might be durable. It could be the difference between getting knocked out and getting angry and coming back. Um, so assuming he's back on the juice, assuming that's a part of the reason for his uh, success re- recently, I'm, I'm fine with it because he's fighting you know, people that are also on the juice like Tito Ortiz and Jake Paul. I have no problem yeah, with that. We but, should, uh, in that, in that yeah, you and I should at least poke around for tickets for the MSG card on November 11th, uh, UFC 281 with Adesanya Pehea. I think Izzy drops the belt that night. We got Esparza versus Zhang. Ooh. I think we got another title change potentially that night. We got Poirier Chandler, um, which is guaranteed fireworks. I don't think that's going to go well for Chandler. We can talk about that later. We've got the retirement fight of my favorite fighter ever, Frankie the Answer Edgar, who's t- 24-10-1 oh. now after a rough couple years uh, in his post forty. Moicano, Brad Riddell. Uh, Dominic Reyes is back. Reyes is back for the right. first time since uh, he got lit up by uh, Prochaska. He's fighting Ryan Spann. Fight? Ryan Spann, which I think is a good fight back, first fight back first for him. Fight. Um, Molly McCann. Yeah, I have no problem with that fight. The meatball has a much tougher matchup than usual as she takes on Aaron Blanchfield. Very exciting stuff for us to talk about in the next couple of weeks. Definitely, man. Oh, Looking shit. forward to it. Hotman Azatar is on that prelim. They're letting him in New York. Let's see what happens. Let's see oh, what happens man. at the airport. Let's get, get some after Hotman, oh, that, that's the guy that was quote unquote fired from the UFC. Yeah, good Or was that? It was just the brother of that man. This is that man. He's the guy who's destroyed Tom Okay, I'm going to talk to you.